0: We really gave an introduction. What's the difference we never had a chance to speak about between Hasidus and avoid? Hasidus is something which has a yesoid and avoid is something which has a sharish. Avoidus Hashem is what Hashem expects from us <coughs> and therefore Avoidus Hashem is something which is dynamic as a person changes, and as the person hopefully improves or grows, so the Avodah Hashem which is expected of him is something which is going to change as well. The Avodah of a child isn't the Avodah of a teenager. The Avodah of a teenager isn't the of a child from a much older. And therefore avoid is something which lefi the, the position that a person is in, lefi the, the matter that a person is holding by, so that's what's expected. And therefore At the end of the day, our responsibility as parents doesn't mean that we have to (laughs) machanech our children their whole lives. It gets to a certain stage that they are now independent, now on their own. But we still want them to grow beyond that. They don't end, so to speak. We hope they don't end their growth when they're out of our tutelage. And if that's the case, what we need to do is provide a cherish. We need to provide, if you want, a trajectory. That there's a mahalach. They've begun and they're going to continue. And as, as much as they're in our rituals, we see them, we coach them, we guide them to go and grow a certain amount, we want them to continue afterwards as well. That even beyond that stage, even when they're no longer in our, in our rituals, so to speak, they're no longer under our control, they're going to continue to grow. And therefore, when it comes to something which is negative of Geras Hashem, something which applies to how we, when I say how we're going to develop, how we're going to grow, The Ika, what you're doing, is planting a Sherish. And yes, if our children leave, so to speak, our parental control at the age of our mitzvah, or when they get married, whatever it is, and they're achieving what's expected for someone at that age and stage to achieve, so yes, we've done our job. We hope they're going to grow beyond that. But we've already given them the tools, we've already given them the starting point, if you want the velocity which is needed to keep going and continue to grow. Hasidus is different, Hasidus is not, even though, when the Mithil Shalom explains chasidus, he explains it as something which a person has to assess, a person has to weigh up, a person has to decide based on the situation, but the tools that a person needs in order to make that Mishka. And the tools a the person needs in order to be able to decide what's the right thing, the circumstances change, but the rules stay the same. And if that's the case, the, what we call the Mishka chasidus hasidus is in the circumstances knowing what rule to apply. The rules are absolute. And that's what, that's what you say it. A is something which is a foundation it remains the same. And therefore, when are talking, we spoke last time, for example, about the person learning restraints, that's a life skill. What it's going to apply to, whether it's going to apply to not eating a non-kosher candy, what's going to apply at a later stage, to not uh, cheating in an exam, what's going to apply at to a later stage, not stealing in business, what's going to apply at a later stage to whatever other situation the person finds themselves in during life, right? it's a, it's a yisod, it's a foundation. And things like that, which a person builds as foundations, so the circumstances change, the rules stay the same. That's why it's a yisod. Okay, so therefore we spoke, yes, last week we spoke about an example, we'll talk about more, but in the meantime, one example of something which falls into the category mm-hmm. of your site And now what I want to talk about tonight, Hashem, is our first level, we're going to talk about Hashem, something which needs to be inculcated, a principle which will hopefully grow and develop with the child as they grow older. But it's an extremely important principle, and it's not something... Which we necessarily think of teaching because something we think is so obvious we take it for granted, and that's the mistake. And I'm going to start with the hakama. For those of us who are thinking of going to Kiruv, it's probably one of the worst uh, case scenarios we, we we expect to happen. Probably one of the most difficult. And that is when someone calls you up and says, "Rabbi, can you please speak to my child because he wants him to marry." My son, my daughter, wherever it is, they're seriously going out with a the guy. They think of getting married. Speak to them. And at uh, that stage, there's not much you can say. You can ask them, you know, what kind of Jewish upbringing did they have? Now, why would they get in some, involved in a serious relationship with the guy? Why would this be? An, why would this even be an issue? Ask the parent of the child. First, ask the parent. What? What? Why would they? Where, where does this come from? Where are they starting from? Did you keep Shabbos around? Did you keep Kashas around? Nothing. And what difference does it make of that that? Oh, explain. Okay. Hmm. Like you said last but... week, What did you keep? Nothing. So then you can ask the question let's, let me, let, let's ask the question the other way around. If Yiddishkeit wasn't mm-hmm. so important to you, you never kept any kind of a have you never gave any idea of keeping shabbat. you never thought about learning anything about Yiddishkeit either. So maybe the rabbi's not meant to ask the question, but if you'd ask them the question, so why does it disturb you so much that they want to marry out? What what kind of major lifestyle change is going to happen if they marry a non-Jew? Like I said, we don't mean to ask the question because it's good that it does disturb them, but what's the answer going to be? It's true, Rabbi, I don't keep very much, but I have a strong sense of Jewish identity. And it disturbs me that my children or my grandchildren won't be Jewish. I have a certain Jewish pride, a Jewish identity, whatever it is, and therefore we, we need to stick together, so to speak. The idea of marrying out, that's already crossing a red line. So, the question I always wants to ask, but there's nothing really you can ask, because it's just going to rub salt into an open wood, is did you ever think about transmitting a Jewish identity to your child? Because, obviously, for them it's not important. For them, they're willing to consider marrying someone who's not Jewish. It means they don't have a sense of Jewish identity. So if, let's say culture isn't important to you, Shabbos isn't important to you. But Jewish identity is important to you. Why do you never convey that to your children? And the real answer is going to be, because people think it's a given. If I'm Jewish and I have a strong sense of Jewish identity, so why, why does it even need to be taught? And this is the mistake I want to talk about. It it's, not, a one second, it's not a given. It's not a given. It's something which needs to be taught. For whatever reason, the parent has it, it's because their parents in somehow transmitted it to them. But if a person is growing up in an environment without that sense of identity, he's just like a color going in Israel. he's like the guy next door and the friends in the school or college, wherever it is, and no one's ever made a point of teaching him what it means to identify as a Jew, then why is he going to get it? It doesn't come automatically. And I've given you the extreme, Rabbi Baruch Hashem, if you're going to meet this kind of situation, we hope not ever. But even if yes, has slightly been a professional capacity as a Makarov. But, having said that, the aside is very important. The aside is very important, not in that world, in our world as well. And that is, even with the terror and the mythos and the Frum lifestyle and everything else, which is good, which is good, it's an incredibly important thing to Mm -hmm. teach identity. Don't take it for granted that just because we're living a Frum lifestyle, right, our children will grow up with a strong sense of identity as a frumite. They will have the trappings of it. It will be easier for them to associate with other frum people because that's the, that's the lifestyle they're living and that's the surroundings that they face. But if it's a person comes to an Israel. So, what kind of identity do they have? We built for them for themselves that they know that a keter a Jew is not an jew There's a male in being a Jew. How do we do that? I'm not asking the question for a person who is not keeping Torah Mitzvah, how they keep a Jewish identity. That's a much harder question. I don't, know if, I don't even know what the way is. But for someone who is keeping Torah so we already have the background, we already have the, so to speak, the setting for it. How do you build identity as a Jew? This is important because, like I said, at the end of the day, it's a, this is something which develops with the person. The, there's the child, who's a small child who recognizes himself as a Jew and as he gets older it becomes more pronounced and as he gets older it becomes more defined as his personality. For those of you who heard the Ikrim Badim, I always start the Ikrim Badim the same way. And that is what's the Khashivus, what's the importance of learning Ikrim? I it's, it's, it's important, but why is it so important? Why is it so important? Why is it important to the extent that the Rambam writes, and no one argues with him, it's assumed to be an, an unanimous, that if someone's missing in Ikrim, he's not, he's, he's not considered part of Kla Yisrael? And the answer is that Ikrim gives us identity. And this is the important point. What, what defines Jewish identity? If we are to identify ourselves as Jews, what defines us as Jews? It's not statehood, it's not nationhood because for most of the traditional existence they haven't had a state to a nation. Right? It's not a certain culture or language or style or dress or creed or anything else. So what identifies us? If you're going to start with the basic point, you were talking about identity as hidden. What identifies us? So I always give the motion of a country. If you're a citizen of the United Kingdom or of America, wherever it is, and you think what what's the critical point? of being a citizen. It's not the language and it's not the culture and it's not where you're brought up and it's not what sports you play on Sunday afternoons. Right? It's not Kovaya. So what is? If you wanted to become a citizen of a country, what did you what would you need to do? And the answer is you have to swear allegiance to the country. Whether it's to the crown, whether it's to the throne, whether I mean to the flag, whether it's to the constitution or to the parliament, whatever it's going to be. Right? The point of identity is I'm a Kabul authority. And if I accept the authority of the country, so then that's what they want you, to become a citizen. Right? not asking you what, what culture you're going to, or what language you're going to speak at home. Are you going to swear allegiance to the authority, to the ruling body, body of the country? And if you think about it for a second, Geiris is exactly the same thing. To be macabre Geiris isn't to know, know all the mitzvahs. You don't need to know all the mitzvahs. The Gemara says, So give me examples. A few mitzvahs. Is that everything? By no means. To give him a few examples, but what's important, there is Makabal in himself to be Shem Makala Torah Shemetal Amashim Whatever said inside, that's from Makabal. Allegiance to the Torah. Or, as it says, allegiance to Hashem. That's the, that's the identity of Kla Yisrael. And therefore, if you're trying to build an identity in somebody as a member of Kla Yisrael, so the identity we have as a member of Kla Yisrael is an identity as part of the Amashem. And we not now we're not learning Akim, but if you go through all thirteen of them, each one is there to build our identity as part of Tzion And therefore, if thats what I said—if you're trying to build a, a Jewish identity in the child, so I don't know how you do with Kim because the Jewish identity isn't cultural, and it isn't historical. Yeah, you know, your grandparents were Jewish, and your great grandparents died in the gas chambers, so how can you imagine marrying a guy that doesn't give you identity? And it's not going to be because it's, uh, we support Israel or because of any other element that th- people think that Jews would do. That's not the point. Identity as Klal Israel is that we are Hashem. It did work. It worked for a generation after the Holocaust. So they feel they didn't swear allegiance to Hashem, and yet their identity came from the fact that their parents died in gas chambers. Yes, so, it's so, true. I mean, but they, have, they have an identity. That's true. So That's not fitting with this. Uh... I didn't say that a person can't swear identity. Right. Okay. The question is question. Let me. Explain. I didn't say that a person can't feel can't identify as a Jew for other reasons. If a person is a strong Zionist, he can also identify as a Jew There are other reasons as well. What I said is, if you want to teach it, that's not the way we teach it. We don't teach that uh, our children that we identify as Jews because we survivors or grandchildren oh. of survivors. We don't teach a uh, our children our identity as Jews because of whatever other reasons going to be. That's true. There could be other factors. It could even be cultural factors, which makes a person identify as a Jew. Yeah. Right? That might work, it might not. If it works, then very good. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But it's not the way to teach it. Yeah. If you're trying to inculcate Jewish identity, that's what I was trying to talk about tonight, the way to do it is that a person is a our Masha. And it's often in a lot of these other countries. Okay, so let's go back right to this point. Therefore, if we're going to talk about, let's say, the what, what how, what's the way to start plan to plant a cherish at the beginning right? uh, which will eventually grow up as uh, to become a, a stronger and stronger identity uh, identifying as being we say, the first and obvious point the first and obvious point is that your children should know that there's something called Hashem a lot of people feel that it's something which your children are gone to a level to understand, and therefore don't even don't mention it, don't talk about it, don't do anything else, because it's, it's beyond them. It's too hard for them to, to fathom the the infinite. I've had parents have told me that when I tell the children, you should say a before for you. Eat. Why? Because mommy said so. Mm-hmm. Uh, you should keep, you're not not do the Shabbos. Why I can't I do it? Because daddy or daddy said no. It's a tremendous mistake. It's a tremendous mistake. You're missing out the iqa. The Ikka is you want your children to understand there's something called Hashem and we listen to Hashem. That's our identity. Am Hashem starts with the understanding that there's Hashem. Your children might say, who's Hashem? What's Hashem? They don't have to, they're not philosophers. You can say Hashem is the one who creates the whole world. Hashem is the one who gives us everything we need. And can we see Him? No, we can't see Him. And the child can accept that sometimes better than an adult can because they don't have to philosophize why they can't. They can't. They can't. But they're used to, con- they're used to hearing the words. They're used to hearing the concept. there's such a thing. Hashem says yes, Hashem says no, Hashem. We deal with the mitzvahs. like the Apostle says (laughs) Hashem Shema'im Shoga And that's why it's always brought, we're talking a little bit older child now, the idea that an important point in Chinuch, which is brought down by many, many, is to say Barak not the children, they might be too small of that, the parents. The parents, you want to make a child, you get used to saying Baruch alad before you eat. Because it not be too long. but no, it's not because they copy Something more. Who are you talking to? They get used to, you know, when you talk, you talk to somebody. So you talk to them, you talk to their brothers and sisters, you talk to each other. Before you eat, you say Baruch HaZalad. Who are you talking to? I'm talking to Hashem. Get used to the concept. Because then it makes it a reality in somebody's life. From an mm. early age. And that's the Aleph. Like I said, they'll understand better, they'll grow more, they'll develop it more. It'll become more a part of them as they get older, but it's planting a Sherish. It's planting a Sherish. It's something which is a part of the child relates to. So the child's aware of. And don't think children can't have a minute. And this is an important point. Don't think children are too young to have a minute. They might not understand the depth of emunah, but the reality that they can ask Hashem for things, little children, they'll accept that. Don't be scared to say they want something. So, double for it. Ask Hashem. Ask Hashem. He can give it to you. And you can even, if you want to be more explicit, you can say, I can't afford it, I don't have it. But if you want to ask Hashem, because He does. He can help you. How do you ask Hashem? Go. He doesn't even know what's Ask Him. Ask Him. Don't be surprised a little child can have proper money. Like I said, it, it doesn't have the intellectual challenge that an older person has. They'll accept it. If that's what you have to ask, we'll ask him. And the second point is don't be surprised if Hashem listens. Right? Mm-hmm. If there's a principle that a college Baruch listens, accepts the right? It could be from a little child also. Mm-hmm. Hashem accepts the money. And it works. Pizza and cake. See so you I had the mm-hmm. story about all the guys who have it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay, it's a good uh, I wasn't thinking of saying it now, but if I are ready, it, it's a good story to bring in. <laughs> um, for those of you who know a School have been to Ramadan School, in the 12th Paran, in a medical there's a there was anyway, a medical there's a medical center there. But in the stores downstairs, there's a number of restaurants, pizza stores, wherever it is. So years ago when two of my kids were little, they must be three, four years old, they were was, was taking them to the doctor. So you walk past the there's a ribbon pizza store, they walk past the pizza store. And there was a birthday party going on. There were like five or six families that put all the tables into a big square. And the five or six tables all were sitting around, and obviously all the cousins, I don't know what it was, but all sitting around eating pizza with this huge birthday cake in the middle. So my kids, being kids, said, you want to join the party? So I said, no, you can't. You are only No, they want to join the party. So I am to fight the with them in the middle of the shopping center. So I so said, what do you want? He said, no, no, no a pizza cake I also want. I said, okay, so I'll ask a to give you, and then it'll be okay. So we went to the doctor. On the way back, we had to go back past the pizza store towards my house. Was, uh, so when we came back, the party was coming to a close. So the father, obviously, the guy who had put up the whole thing, was sponsoring the whole thing. So he was uh, kind of looking around, the party was over. So he was walking past, and he says, he says to me, he says, I have an extra pie, no one touched. Can I give you a free pizza? So I said, okay, thank you very much. I'm you see, I told you, to ask Hashem for the pizza. And you see, you gave your whole, not just the slice, he you gave a whole pie. So they said, no, we daven for the cake also. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, okay, if you i Hashem gonna listen to you. Okay, so, so we went further down, with there's like a few benches there. I mean, the, the oh, they said, I still went somewhere. They sat and ate the pizza on the bench. We're sitting eating the pitch on the bench, and the worker of the store, the, like the African who works, and cleans it. So he came with these huge, two huge garbage bags from and just near the party. He so walking to the bins. There's two people garbage bags. So, uh, i none mean, of the garbage chav, and he has so many things from this one. Anyway, he starts for no reason, starts next to me. He said, Look, he said, they left the cake behind. I'm taking to the garbage bin, Maybe you want it. <laughs> uh, so I thought, Look, at it works, and when works, and I'm not saying it's in a... <laughs> And the point of saying the story is, is, is point point, uh, proves pr- pr- one point, and that is a child can have a mona, and a mona works. A child can have a muna, and a muna works. Don't be scared to turn your children to think about that. You want something? Ask Hashem. You can do it. And it's not this, uh, and you can see on I can't. It's not up to me. I don't, I don't have all the money. I don't have all the ability to make decisions, but you can ask Hashem. And it's not just one. So there are many, many, many stories over the years I've heard of similar things. A little child wants something in that, you ask Hashem, and Hashem can listen. And the, 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 the reason why it sometimes works better is because a little child doesn't khap, that's it, not something normal. They don't khap, that's it, not a normal thing to do. It's like posh it, you ask, you'll okay. get. Okay, I tell my children that situation, yes, I said, it's true, I'm going to stop by the candy, they know that, they can see that. I'm going to stop. I said, I need the money. I yeah, so it's very nice. If I have money, I can go by the candy. Where does the money come from? You know, I don't have to make up uh, something which isn't isn't clearly what they can see. It's not, they don't see Hashem giving them candy. They see you want candy, you go to the store and buy it. It could be. Hashem could deliver candy to the door somehow. Other, there are ways to do that too. But that's not the normal ma'alaq which happens, so then I just have to go back a step. and say, it's true. I, I go buy things for Shabbos or whatever it is, but in order to buy things, I need the money. Where does the money come from? It comes from Hashem. It's true, the people in the store or the wherever it is are the ones who make it. No one's saying Hashem makes jelly beans. Right? But it had to stop you somewhere. So you just have to take it back a stage to where Taka is, Biyad Hashem. And the echo point is, is the point is, at the end of the day, we know it's true. everything does come from Hashem. So we're not used to thinking that. Okay, we're used to thinking of mashtad, thinking of things in the terms of how we can take care of ourselves. Let's be honest with ourselves. It's not real the Hashem in charge. And at the end of the day, we also know that the MS is that if you need something, we have to it for it. It's not going to happen by itself necessarily. So yes, maybe we haven't, we haven't gotten used to thinking that as clearly as said. That's why I said brachos. Because the said of brachos is everything. Is, Thank you, Hashem, for this. Please, Hashem, for that. It becomes something which we live with more when we make more of an emphasis on it. Right. That's the first part. So we, if we're trying to build identity as Eden, we're trying to build our identity as the HaMashem, the first thing is it has to be the knowledge that there is something called Hashem. And the way to do it, I went through the three steps I said before we go back is, number one, don't be scared to mention that Hashem says or Hashem lets or Hashem doesn't let, whatever the case might be, because it's a reality. That's the reality you want them to live with. Number two, out that it helps you also. It gets into the mindset of thinking, I have to ask, or I'm talking to Hashem, and it gets your children to that idea as well, right? That you're talking to somebody, someone to talk to. And the third step after that is get your children to think the same way. They want something, we have to double for it. We have to ask for it, Hashem decides. What about if we don't get it? What about if Hashem said no? You understand? For a child, this isn't a hard concept at all. We, we Again, we project things that our children will find a big problem with. It's not hard at all. They're used to getting told no the whole time. You say no to your child ten times a day. Right? Ten. At least ten. Hmm. Right? You say no the whole time. He says so, never say no. In any household, there are not If my child decides that for a time, home, she told me she wants to stay up the night. I to, said, to, uh, no, not staying up the whole night. Uh, yeah, I said no. They are used to it. And nothing can do A child that doesn't have the, the idea that you, what you want is what they want. They, they have the, they, they, and they're going to ask. And some things, is yes, and some things, you just, you're going to be not. Yeah, the difference is you expect... That's the point I want to explain. That is, there's a difference between saying no because I can't, or no because I don't think it's good for you. And again, remember, a child understands that point better. Tonight, if my little girl told me she wants to stay up the whole night, can I let her? I could, but I'm not going to. Not because I can't, because I don't think it's good for her. So I can can try and explain it to her. If she's too little to understand, then okay, she can't understand. But I said, listen, I don't want you to stay up the whole night. No, you're going to bed. Or if she says, can she eat, she's still hungry after supper, can she finish the Nash coverage for dessert? She could, I could if I wanted it to, but I don't want her to, so the answer is going to be no, right? So children are used to getting no. It's not something which is going to destroy their confidence or their future because someone told them no, right? So you can say, no, why no? Not because I don't want to be good to you, not because I don't like you, not because I'm trying to make you upset, but because I don't think it's good for you, right? I just thought was good for you, I don't think it's healthy for you to have to all that, I don't think it's healthy for you to eat so much candy, right? Okay, so you wanted to, but no it's not. We already, we already built last week a child's used to getting enough. When it comes to kashrus, we built the step one. No, it doesn't destroy anybody. They're used to this restraint. And if that's the case, then just like they're used to their parents saying no, we can go the next step and say Hashem said no. And why does Hashem say no? Because Hashem decided it wasn't good for you. And if you're going to try if it's something they really want they didn't get, then you can go the next step. And we can say, we also don't always get told yes from Hashem. We also want things and he says no because it's not good for us. And this is an important point. It's an important point because it comes back to the point in Emona. And a point in the Emona which the Goyim didn't understand. It's a Chazal. It's a Chazal. It's a Pasuk in Yerimiyah. And that is, it says over there, that if a guy appeals to the Void for something, and he doesn't get it, then he gets angry and he kicks down his Void It's a Pasuk. You can kick down, kick down. Our he said no. So uh, I've lost all faith in you. Right? Why? Why? Why is that the nature of avodas of Hashem? And the answer is what I'll say: that Goyim oimdim aleiheim. It says, "By the Rambam, he oimdim aleiheim. oimid alayor. He worshipped the earth, but he stood above it. Right? And that is what does it mean? The concept they stand on top of their gods, where mashaken ba'as. It says, the same midrash says, "Baklay Yisrael aleiheim oimdim oimid aleiheim." Hashem stands over him. What's the difference between the concept of the person standing above his God, or the God standing above the person? What's the difference? There's a deep you saw here in Ashkaf. There's a deep point in the moon over here, which obviously is beyond the child's understanding. But I'm trying to explain it so that you will understand and put it to practice. And that is the Goyish concept of Avodah Zorah is I've decided I want something, and therefore I'm trying to use the spiritual channels I can to get it. But the decision I wanted it is absolute. I want it. This is the way to get it. And therefore, if you're not giving me what I want, there's a problem. You're not doing the job you're meant to do. I never give the avirazola, so to speak, the decision, is: do I, should I have it or shouldn't I have it? I want it. I want it and I want to use avirazola as a way to get it. And therefore, if it doesn't provide, so there's a problem with it. So it's, only al hand. They make a decision and the result is just there, so to speak, to give them what they wanted. But when it comes to Klai Yisrael, and this is our Imunna, this is an important point, we don't make decisions and dictate to Hashem. We understand at the end of the day, He's the one who's making the decision. We can ask, but He can say yes, and He can say no. And that decision is up to Him, not up to us. We're not dictating to Hashem what to do. We're not that we decided we need it, and now Hashem, you have to give it to us. And we're going to lose Imunna because Hashem said no. At the end of the day, and when there is, Hashem stands above us. And He decides what's good for us, not good for us. We can ask. We can ask. And He'll listen. And we might it a yes, we might it a no. And we accept that because that's what He decides is good for us. Think about this a second. The MS is, every parent wants their child to think the same thing about them. No no parent wants their child to dictate to them, we're going to tell you what to do, and you being the parent who can do it is going to have to do it. I decide I'm eating jelly beans for supper. Now you go buy me jelly beans. And I have no choice to say no because the child decided he wants. No house runs like that. It's not a functional system. right? You can ask me, I'm listening to you. But I can decide yes, and no, I can decide no. So the idea of being putting the parent in that position of the child asks but the parent decides is something which is natural to them. If you think about it for a bit, you're doing this the whole time. right? You're not giving your child, at least hopefully you're not giving your child, the free-for-all to decide, child, whatever you want, I'm just going to do. Then you're putting him on top of you. He's decided that you would become his slave to do whatever he wants because he decided. No one works like that. None in the functional household. It works. You can ask. I'll listen to you. have a good relationship with you. And I happens? to have this to everyone to ask me. But understand that I'm a parent and I can decide what's good for you. You're not making Hashem in any different position. You're saying exactly the same thing. You say you can ask Hashem. He listens to you. And if it's good for you, He'll give it to you. And if it's not good, He won. He's the parent who can make the decision. And I will be so clear about it? When we want things that about, we do the same clarity. We're not telling Hashem what to do, we're asking Him. He's still the parents for us as well. And He's making a decision. It's good for us, it's not good for us. Yeah. And we can take a yes, and we can take a no, because Hashem decided. Because at the end of the day, we know that Hashem is in control. And we know that He's doing. He listens to ad and He decides. I want to tell the girl that could broken a can. Yeah. of them, it's so As yeah. yeah. has previously spoken... Let me bring up the point that just said there. It's true. I said this and I said this uh, because I saw Rav said it and Al-Shukh said it and maybe even Arizal meant this. And that is that uh, Hashem will never ever let down real Imunna. And that's true. If a person is holding by real Imunna, Hashem won't let it down. Let <laughs> down real emunah? Yep. Real right. emunah. we so spoke so about this. we so spoke so about this so a, long time, a long time ago. It was yeah. a long time ago. It was very controversial no. at the time. Okay. We'll that you now. But it's, uh, uh, that's true. We, uh, we, if a person's holding on that level, then that concept holds true here as well. I'm saying for the child, it's not yet holding him to the level. But we've trained him to ask Hashem for things. And now he asks. Asking is Twitter. Asking isn't the matter. And one of we spoke about is that I'm, getting, I'm convinced Hashem will give it to me. Is the child not more likely to... It's his If he's holding by that, that it's a reality, that if I ask Hashem, he's for sure going to give me, that he'll get. But now I'm talking about, how do we, what's the chinuch for when he asks for something and doesn't get it? Right? We don't expect how the child, the child be to be always be holding it there. he not not believe well enough. So if, if they do, then fine. We we quite expected expect it of them. It's a darga. If they're holding it that clear to them that they'll get it, right? Then they will. Then they will. If they're not holding by that darga, so then they won't. But how they, how do we deal with that? How do we deal with it? I ask Hashem and Hashem said and I didn't get it? So like I said, the mahalik is it's not different to asking your parent. You don't get everything your parent asked you you asked your parent either. It's not because he didn't listen to you, because he you're not because you couldn't give it to you. He decided not to. You decided not to. It's a reality that children are growing up with anyway. And that's why I said the eki idea is, it's not a big deal to shift the focus from the parents to Hashem. It's the mitsiyahs that they're used to. Just understand, Hashem can also say yes, Hashem can also say no. Because that builds the reality that a child lives with, there's Hashem. There's Hashem. There's somebody to ask, or something I should say, to ask, when I need something. There's, something to, there's someone who provides or doesn't provide, depends on what he wants. That's that. A model we can develop, a where we can get, we can uh, work on to make it more real, more a part of a person. And as a person gets older, they'll understand it on a deeper intellectual level. Right? That's true. But you planted a <coughs> You planted a seed. And that's, like I said, the other base of identity. The other base of identity of Kayushal is a part of my The other base of identity of Kayushal is number one, we know that there is a ship. Right? Don't hide it from your children. Otherwise, everything else is ridiculous. We're doing all these things because because Zayda did it. because we've, And so, and we do it because that's what we do. We, and why? You're giving the trappings. You're not giving the ekkah. The echo we're doing it because Hashem told us to. And we're diving because we're talking to Him. And when we need something, we know who to ask. And these are, this is the Aleph, of Rebunah. And a little child will accept it. A little child will accept it. And they'll know that they need something, that they have to ask Hashem for it. And it's not an impossible thing. To see your child if you want something, it's okay, I'll go down, I'll ask Hashem to give it to me. That's the way it's meant to be, and the it will be as clear to us. Right. There's more obviously. This is just the first step. But like I said, we're working on it now, we're talking about small children first. What we're talking about now is the is the principle of building sharash, building seeds, roots, so to speak, building points which will grow and develop as a person develops. And uh, don't be surprised if it works. Don't be surprised if it works. I'll tell you a story which is with my kids, so you don't think I'm the gay, but the same kind of idea. There was a, a certain kid that, in her family, she was an only child. She was an only child. The reason was that there was a medical complication at the birth. And the doctors told them, parents, hey, it's, it's absolutely possible for you to have more children. I'm very sorry, but it's it's, it's, only, it's not it's medically possible. Okay, they accepted it. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's what it is. That's what it is. Okay, she grew up. And she got the age when she went to Gain. And uh, she came in one day from Guy and said, Mommy, why does everyone else in the kind of a brother or a sister or brothers or sisters? And I'm the only one who doesn't have any brothers or sisters. So the mother told her, she said, look, Hashem's the one who decides to has his children. And uh, he decided that we only have one child. And he decided that the family should have more than one child. So the mother meant that there's a certain finality. Hashem said no. But this little girl didn't accept that. Every night before she went to bed, she said, not feel Hashem would give me a brother or a sister. And she kept up for three years. Three years later, they had the baby. Against... Any medical possibility, because this, it was impossible. Now, I don't know what the, the story is, the Tvila, or the Pitachon, or a mixture of both, but it needs a certain level of seriousness that you prepare to for something every single night for three years. But the Tvila can work. Even if it's Tvila of a five-year-old girl, of a little child. And again, we look at the story, it can't be. We're looking at it with the jaded perspective of an adult that we think, Hashem, should not So It can't be. Maybe for us, Hashem wouldn't do nothing because for us, we see it as a nest. And that's the big point. When we see something as being impossible, we don't have a it anymore. For us, we see it's impossible. Remember something else. A child doesn't see that. He didn't tell the child that it's medically impossible, it's something we can do. He told the child, Hashem decides. So if Hashem decides, then it's absolutely possible for him to do either way. He's deciding, right? So you've built a case for them to to approach it with their money. It. It's up to Hashem. It's not up to anything else. So he can, I can ask him. Had they told their child, look, Hashem said, no, we'll never have more children again. Yes, then you've killed them enough. You've told them Hashem said no, and then that's okay, so then you double. But if you present it that's Hashem is in charge, He decides. So then you can double. They don't have the same restraints that an adult has, they are not too much, so to speak, and therefore I don't think it's possible. Why not? And like Hashem says Himself in the Torah, I can Hashem, Hashem can't do. But to reach that level, a person has to really understand that it's possible for Hashem to do if a person deep down thinks, yes, it's impossible. Across the other shame, that is not gonna happen. And therefore don't be scared to finish up at this point, don't be scared to train your children in the basic steps of the other. Sometimes their level will be much more real than us.